How many are thankful to be alive in these days? Did you know that the, the days that we live in are incredibly complex? And if you try to figure it out, you might go crazy. How many have ever found people go crazy by trying to figure out how to sort out the mess? Not just the mess in the world, your own mess. How many have ever felt like you had two left feet? Um, this is why we pray. We pray to enter in. We pray to get a bigger vision and perspective of life. We pray to get a bigger vision and perspective on our own lives, on the, the, the state and condition of our world. The, um, if the only thing you do to check in about uh, checking in what's reality is news, you are in for a sore mistake. How many know that's not always reality? You need to go to ultimate reality, Jesus Christ. And uh, we've been in a series on learning how to be yoked with Jesus. And the principle is that we are invited to learn directly from the person who invented life how to live life. And so my hope over these last several weeks is to provoke you to go, golly, that's a pretty sweet invitation. I ought to take Jesus up on his offer to learn how to live from the one who invented life. Amen. You think the one who invented life knows how it works. If you agree, say amen. amen. And so this week, uh, I've been sitting on this one for a couple weeks. So just pray for me. It's not all that easy, but I believe that if we'll start the conversation, I'm under no illusion that this is the definitive conversation. And I'm under no illusion that this is every angle for the conversation. So those are the ground rules. Can you say amen? It's not the end-all conversation, and it's not every angle. You just all said amen, so just, just, you agree, so be it. But as we're called to follow Jesus, I can't help, when I think about what it means to follow Jesus, and then what's happening around us, these two words provoked me. Say them with me. Rage or rest? One more time. Rage or rest? How many would say that even those who maybe are, are 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, how many have seen an unbelievable increase of rage in our culture? I mean, there is no zero to 10, there's only 10. Whether it's the border, immigration, abortion, marriage, Supreme Court, whatever your topic, whatever side of the aisle, whether it's climate this or the socioeconomic divide or the rich getting richer, poor, whatever the topic is, it seems that we are in a moment from both sides, any side up, down, inside, out, left, right, it just goes from zero to ten from the get-go, if you agree, say amen. In fact, I was reading several, several articles um, you have to know that networks actually know that. Can, can we all just say they are smart? They make money by how many people watch. They know. I watched, um, uh, to be fair, um, <clears throat> that literally if you're promoting anger or painting a common enemy, it's the quickest way to catalyze an audience. The quickest. <laughs> how many have ever been swept into rage? Even this week, raise your hand. Don't be shy because it can hit all of us. The water heater. Praise God. It could be anything. 
But I am so of the opinion that Jesus' followers don't have to get swept into the predominant cultural stream around us. If we don't believe that, then we ought to hang up our shoes and go home. If I don't believe that Jesus can fundamentally shape my life and heart and then our life and heart to be fundamentally, categorically, I mean, as different as light is from darkness, then we have misunderstood this whole thing called following Jesus. So in a moment when rage seems to be the thing, Jesus and his words here in Matthew 11, come to me, I'm humble and gentle in heart, and I will give you Rest, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. How many know that the church desperately needs to respond to the yoke and invitation of Jesus? In a culture of rage, I need to hear the voice. How many need to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd in these trying? I mean, these times are, I'm not belittling them or any of the issues I mentioned. I didn't even mention 20 of them, but you have an opinion about them. And I was reading just about the, 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 the effect of anger on the human heart. How many believe that anger can be a good thing and used for righteous causes? Raise, every hand should be raised. The problem is, now that anger is the 24-7 cycle, we don't know what to do with our anger. Then it starts self-destructing. And because we don't know what to do with all the anger and the enemy that's getting painted on whatever show you watch... I don't know what to do with it. We live with this unhealthy, we're releasing rage and anger into the atmosphere, and it's, it changes things. And in the midst of that, the voice of Jesus, come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. But you don't understand the issue. I know. Come to me. You don't think Jesus Christ knows about every issue. Take my yoke upon you. Don't take everything else everyone else wants you to take on you. Take my yoke, and then let's talk about what I want you to pick up to partner with me. Boom. Do you see the sequence? The world doesn't care about how many yokes you carry. They want to keep, you know why? Because it continues the cycle. Jesus wants to break through that today and say, hey, I want to create another culture called the culture of rest, called the culture of Jesus in the midst of the madness so that those in their rage who eventually grow weary via self-destruction or they just stop being able to name who their friend or foe is, when they hear the voice of Jesus and that there's another way to live, it will be the most compelling invitation on the planet. Come to me. Come to me. Why is there so much rage? Is that a fair question? If you could just change the slide layout, Justin, on my confidence monitor, it'll really help me. I love you so much. There's a psalm, Psalm chapter 2, and I, eventually I want to do a whole series on just Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, but I can't right now. But Psalm 1 paints the picture 
Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm 1 is the, it's Jesus. Psalm 2, and then it's the the dichotomy of the way of wisdom, which is the way of God, the way of the word, the way of wisdom, the way of flourishing, the way of righteousness. Say righteousness. But how many know there's a way that seems right, but in the end, we don't pick it. We've all gone our own way like sheep who've left the shepherd. Amen. So we have all rejected the way of Psalm 1. And how many know it's one thing for one little individual to create havoc and a mess. It's a whole other thing for the entire human race to choose the other way than righteousness and wisdom. And then to create civilizations, governments, nations, boundaries, borders on top of that corruption. Just say amen. So Psalm 1, at a a micro level, every individual has chosen the way of unrighteousness. But in Psalm 2, we see what happens when a bunch of people who've chosen against God decide to congregate and to make a name for themselves. We live in in a culture of rage because the Lord, I believe, is allowing us in this time in history to lift the lid to, 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 so, he, so that we can begin to discern, are we going to choose to do things God's way or our way? Our way will always eventually lead to death. It just will. We are not strong enough to bear the weight of the world. Only one whose shoulders hold the government of God, the man Jesus Christ, the King of, the Psalm 1 man who chose the way of wisdom and righteousness. So there's raging because... Evil wasn't just a micro problem, it's now a macro problem because all of us have chosen a better way that we think than the way of God. So why do the nations rage? I just told you. A bunch of little rebels gather. They rage and they plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord. Everyone say against the Lord. And against his anointed, Jesus Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Now, you may be sitting here going, I was never that bad of a sinner. If you're sitting next to that person, elbow them and say, yeah, right. The Bible says every person who has not been born again lives as an enemy of God. Romans 5, 6 through 8. They live... They're alienated from the life that God has, Colossians 1.21 in Christ. They are, because of their attitude, they may not walk around going, I rage against God, I hate him. But because of their everyday choices that are at odds with the way and wisdom and word and will of God revealed in Jesus, they are contributing to a culture of rage and rebellion and enmity against God, the author of life. Why is there so much raging? Because we have continued, especially in the secularized West, we've continued to push God out. And what do you think is going to be left in that vacuum? A bunch of people who think they know how to rule better than him. It's not just a Western problem. It's a global problem. So why is there raging? Because 
people don't want to respond to the invitation of Jesus. Either because they don't know it or because they have, they know about it, but they still think they know better than God. I'm not talking to anyone here today who's ever bought that fruit from Trader Joe's. I know better than God. Are we doing okay? Is anyone hot? Can I get someone to turn the ACs on? I mean, it's hot. Am I the only one? Because I'm in the light. I'm the only one. Thank you. Is anyone else hot? Raise your hand. Let's have a vote. Thank you. There's a lot of hot people. I'm not the only one. Praise God. We live in an age of rage, but how many know another age has dawned through the resurrection? Another age is, po- uh, is possible than the age of rage. Another culture is possible called the Jesus culture. Amen. The enemy's agenda is what? Read it with me. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, help me, that they have life and have it to the... Steal, kill, and destroy... And then John chapter 8 says that when the devil talks, his native language is lying. Can you imagine if your native language was lying? (laughs) Elbow the person. It's not a native language you want to be your first heart language. But the devil, he's only known how to lie, to incite rebellion, to incite accusation, not against only against God, but against yourself and against others. He only comes, say, he only comes. His only agenda is to still kill and destroy and to lie and to lie. And to compound this issue is that so much in our cultural moment, so many people claim to be speaking for God, but what makes it even more complicated, they're messengers, they're, 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 they're promising all this thing, but their life and lifestyle do not look like Jesus. How many have ever fallen into that category? Can we just be honest in church today? Ah, but Jesus wants us to receive and respond to his truth. He wants his word to pierce the heart of the church, dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, so that our motives can be brought into the light and we can be transformed from the inside out. He wants his word to pierce us this morning. Every one of us, myself included, as I've been studying for this word, don't think I'm not getting... But how many know when he cuts us, he fully intends to heal and then sew us back together in wholeness? When you have a tumor, you got to cut the thing out. Can I get an amen? I don't want that thing growing. I want a skilled surgeon to come and remove the growth and then sew me back up so that what was cancerous or caused harm or deterioration now can grow healthy cells and wholeness and fullness and flourishing. How many believe God needs to do some of that in his church in this day and age? I'll just make it more personal in me, in you, in us. So this message is directed towards all of us. God wants to replace the rage with his truth. He wants to replace the rage and the hostility and the anger. And he wants to take the passion that may be set out on the right course, but somehow got hijacked the more you listen to other voices than the voice of Jesus and your father. It's tricky in the day we live in because there's so many voices. But Jesus wants to talk to us today.
Here's the great promise. If you listen to his truth and you abide in it, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How many want to be delivered from endless rage in the day we live in? How many want to be able to be that, that voice, that life, that, that um, harbor in the midst of storms that people could come to? How many want to become a people, a church, a community that in the midst of it, there is a group of people who know how to first see what's happening. We're in the command center of the cosmos, right at the right hand of the Father, and then they're able to release that atmosphere into the earth. I got one happy person, but <laughs> and I just want to say this. I think so many I've, I've just so many of us allow ourselves licenses to act in a manner contrary to Jesus in the name of fill in the blank. But I want to I want you to know when you came to Jesus, he rescued you from the present evil age. So if you're in Christ, you don't have to be a captive to the present evil age. This doesn't mean he rescues us so that someday we can go to heaven way out there in our future. It's so that right here, right now, I pray, Father, don't take them out of the world. Sanctify them by truth in the world so that they are a counterculture of my peace and my presence and my power, my love and my grace. If you're in Christ, you've been rescued. All of those licenses we give ourselves, well, they did it to me, I'll do it back. They do not exist from God's perspective. I'm just saying, I'm preaching truth to myself. Oh, but I, I really care about this topic, subject, Lord. I can act in an un-Jesus-like manner. Baloney, where is that Bible verse? You've been rescued from the present evil age. You're meant to live out of the future that is yours in Christ Now. All right, you don't believe me yet. Look, he has rescued us from the what? The dominion of darkness. Still kill and destroy, lie, murder. That's what the devil does. That's the dominion of darkness. You've been rescued through Jesus. You've been brought into another kingdom that looks like the king. Amen. Or this little old Bible verse, many of you have heard of it. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Everything old, behold, everything has become. And so many of us, when it comes to our politic or our policy or our preference, we literally think we can check the Jesus thing at the door and act however we want. Beloved, it's killing us. And the word of the Lord today is provoking me. My invitation to learn how to live applies to all of your life. Which part? All of it. Here's a better question. Which part does he want to fill with his presence and his power and his love and his likeness? Amen. Amen. Jesus wants to penetrate our hearts, to reveal our motives, and then he wants us to learn how to stay. And here's my favorite I always say that every Sunday. One of my favorite verses. I'm sorry. I like a lot of it. Let's actually read this all out loud together. One, two, three, go. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Not ours. Amen. Through these 
He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, his great precious promises, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. The only way you and I can can live out of a different culture instead of rage, rest, is if we participate in the one who invented rest on the seventh day called God. Listen, so many of us, if you try to be Christian in your own strength, good luck. We, 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 we function and live out of our identity in Christ as we participate in real-time relationship communion with the one who has said, come to me. Look at that verse. We don't even talk about that ever. You can participate in his nature. Jesus is riffing off of, well, Peter stole it from Jesus. Never mind. Peter stole it from Jesus. When Jesus says, learn from me, I'm humble and gentle in heart, he's talking about a a real-time transfer that you and I can participate, not in the age of rage, but in the nature of God. In that age of rage, so that we can offer an alternative that actually brings life at the end of the day. This is, and then, oh, this is my last introductory point. If you're in Christ, you are a citizen of heaven. A citizen of heaven. And here's the thing. You don't have to be like super insightful to realize how many Bible verses and how many dynamics of life in Jesus we give ourselves a free pass on in the name of whatever makes you mad or angry or rage. But I'm here to tell you, God does not give us a free pass to just say, this life in Christ doesn't apply to this part of my life. How many want to come into greater truth today that he wants me to be yoked with him in every dynamic? especially in the moment we live in. I mean, read in a, if I'm not going to read any more articles about church and the mayor, I don't want to read any more articles because all they do is tell me the greatest moment in history in America is for the church just to simply live out of her identity in Jesus. Jesus is irresistible. The problem is, is you didn't get a full picture when I just take one part, like, hey, take care of my sins, but I'll run my life. Did you know the gospel is more than sin management? It's about lordship. Say lordship. It's about learning directly from Jesus how to live a categorically new and vibrant, full life in the spirit. Okay, Chad, they're getting it. It's just heavy. I'm not going to ask you to say amen. This is just the word. I'm, I'm, Jesus says this, take my yoke, learn from me, be with me, and as you're with me, you'll become like me, and then you'll be able to do what I did. So how do we overcome the culture of rage? Is that a good question? Number one, everyone say Resistance resistance to the spirit of the age, the spirit of compromise. Oh, he doesn't really mean all of it. All the Jesus stuff doesn't apply to every part of complacency. I'm good. 
or of concession where you just surrender to the spirit of the age and say, it is no use fighting or trying to be like Jesus in this, in this moment. How many know there is a healthy place of resistance to the spirit of the age so that we can walk in the Holy Spirit? For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. Say that with me. They're not weapons of the world. One more time. They're not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. You can have your worldly weapons. Go for it. They just don't have divine power. How many want to fight with weapons that have divine power? It's like, it's like being a Marvel agent in the secret sauce but infinitely cooler. But you can't fight with weapons of the world and the flesh and weapons of the spirit in the same time. You can't. That we demolish. Oh, I love it. See, so much of the rage is misplaced, but you're just hitting symptoms, not arguments, principalities, powers, and strongholds. How many know it's one thing to just go uh, at lateral attack, but the Lord literally wants to uproot and overthrow all that causes evil in the earth. I mean, when he died, what do you think Jesus did? Did he stay six feet under or in that grave I went to in Israel? No, the Bible says, I've been in First Peter all week, the Bible says he went and preached in Hades to the spirits who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. He went to the lowest earthly region because he wanted the reality of the power of the gospel to touch the lowest place. And when he ascended, the grace of God went to the highest place so that every square inch of the cosmos could be Jesus's inheritance. Cheapers. We take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. The first step of overcoming the spirit of the age and the culture of rage is just to resist it. But Chad, that topic gets me so mad. That's okay to care about the topic. God, listen, as it, you think following Jesus means you check your political opinion about economics and, and race and culture, Jesus wants to talk about all that stuff. Say amen. Jesus cares about all of it. But he doesn't want you to enter into that conversation and under the influence of the spirit of the age. He wants you in that conversation, the spirit of Jesus. Listen, the rage is killing us. And part of it is because I've been a coward to talk about things. And there's these restraints about being an ordained pastor. And, but if, listen, if all of us don't know what to do with our anger and frustration, you know what that results in? Just Google it. So I'm trying to be helpful this morning. What, well, if this makes me... Yeah. First step, you have to resist. Many times, your first impulse. Welcome to being yoked with Jesus. Guys, I'm telling you, if you just... Just think about it. If you reacted how you felt, even just in your closest relationship, how would that go for you? Or I should say, how is it going for you? For some of you. Step one, resistance. Say resistance. It's either the spirit of Cain. Remember, he kills his brother, and then he's all to God, as if he can hide the blood. Am I my brother's keeper? You mean the one you just killed? 
How many know we can be under the spirit of Cain, the spirit of accusation, when God looks on favor on someone else's sacrifice, gift, anointing, ability, it's easy to slander, to accuse, to enter into the spirit of Cain instead of the spirit of Christ. Oh, heavy. This is life. This is life. The unholy spirit of accusation, slander, envy, and malice, or the Holy Spirit of advocacy, speaking truth to power and love and comfort and healing and grace. Which spirit do you want to be under the influence of? See, that's the thing. When you choose to enter into warfare, into this culture of rage, not with weapons of the spirit, there is a spirit of the age that has control over those who have yet given allegiance to Jesus Christ. In other words, you're going into battle naked and empty-handed instead of clothed and equipped and empowered to actually bring light to the situation. That's good. That's heavy. But when you choose to come out of the yoke of Jesus, you're left with just your own intellect, argument, ability. How many want to stay yoked with him so that all of heaven's resources don't just make my enemy suffer and bow, but it can change the situation by his grace and spirit? But you have to resist. Many of us, because we live in an age of rage, we have lost all ability to resist anything. Am I talking to anyone? And that's the excuse. Well, I just... And my simple question, and I just quote my spiritual father, Pastor Ron, so when you see him in glory, you can get mad at him. If you had a table, and this is, this is take it as you will, it's not guilt or condemning, what are the voices you most listen to by allocation of your time? And then come and talk to me and say, I can't help but enter into rage. If you don't spend time with the one who wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit, how can you expect when something taps that anger inside your primal heart that you respond in an unholy way instead of a holy way? How many know we need marination because we are tough meat? (laughs) I need slow cookers. I'm like a cheap piece of brisket. Man, this is good preaching hungry (laughs) number one resistance we should just stop the sermon and I should be a four part six part series maybe that (laughs) Chad is it easy to resist no because no one does hardly when you turn on the news or your opinion column Do you ever see anyone restrain anything that won't make their platform bigger, their influence greater, their money more? Do you see anyone ever out there going, I'm not going to enter into that? Of course it's hard. It's predominant and prevailing, but just because it's hard doesn't mean Jesus Christ hasn't made a way through it. He's the way, capital W, the truth in a world of fake this and fact-checking. And he's the life. And the church is supposed to be the life-giving source as they're attached to Jesus in a world full of death. And if we're playing by the same rules, it doesn't mean you can't care about your thing. But just let that thing come subservient to the lordship and lifestyle of Jesus. This is just basic one-on-one Christianity. Basic not even like harsh or hard or mean. It's just, take my yoke. I want to teach you how to do everything. I want to show you how to live. <sighs> Number two, rest as a lifestyle. Everyone say rest. 
Did you know it is super hard to operate in the spirit of Jesus if our lives, if all of the margin of our lives are spent listening to the culture of rage? E. I, I remember this as clear as day. For a couple years, I used to travel full-time all over the nation and preach and lead worship and all this fun stuff. And so my wife and I, I wouldn't see her for three, four days, for whatever it is. So we would come home, and at that time, we had DVR when that was a thing. And um, so we had like a few shows that we liked, you know, just shows on ABC or whatever it was. And And I started realizing a pattern. I'd get off the plane, not seeing her for four days, and we would just go hang out, cuddle. I can say that in church. I hadn't seen her for four days. We'd cuddle, and we would watch our shows and just hang out. Because how many know when you've been gone, I don't want to go home and do a bunch of stuff. I want to cuddle and watch my shows. (laughs) And I started realizing that many times the shows would have, they were just regular crime shows. I don't even need to name them, like cop shows. But... The, 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 the bad guy was into demons or the, the, the bust was at a, uh, you know, a sex trafficking shop. And I started realizing as I was resting in my margin time, I actually wasn't resting on the inside. Come on, I'm talking to someone. I'm not saying that you don't need rest. I'm just saying there is a kind of rest that contributes to the life-giving flow of God's spirit and grace in your life. And there is a kind of rest that actually takes away from what you think is happening on the inside. The way to resist the spirit of the age is to be filled up with another source. And you can't get that source on the run. It takes time and it takes rest. Lord, I pray these words would just get in us. I don't know what else to say about that. But many of us are so exhausted that, of course, the second uh, the, the, the top of the court gets lifted. It's just I enter into the spewing, the match, the battle. And the Lord says, I want to teach you another lifestyle of rest. So that when everyone else is exhausted, there's someone who's well-nourished and well-fed and has plenty of energy to feel, to discern, and then to release the grace of God. Rest. Rest, 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 rest. Say it with me. Resistance and rest. Okay, look at this. I love Yahweh. In repentance and rest is your salvation. Oh, man, we could hear that word. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. Who thinks this only applies to like the northern kingdom before they were demolished by Assyria? Or does it apply today? How many believe in repentance, thinking things the way God thinks them, turning, looking, resting, trusting, strength? Do you know that if the church would just say yes to this puppy, it would be a game changer? But look what happens. Nope. The mess that we're in, the cultural battle, we'll flee on horses. Therefore, you'll flee. Darn it. So whatever method or medium you choose, that's the method or medium that will be to your own destruction. That's what it's saying, not me. We will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. You see what happens when you engage in the spirit of the age and not in the spirit of Jesus. You're unprotected. A thousand will flee at the threat of one, at the threat of five. You will all flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. 
Do you see what's happening in this passage? The trouble, they had not just a culture of rage, they had a foreign empire about to demolish them. We gotta flee. We Remember the point number two is rest. Remember, that's why I said, if you'll just shut your mind off, if you let repentance and rest and trust and salvation take the place of all the animosity, I might just show you how to overcome the army that's invading your land. Oh, and here's the, here's the beautiful picture of Yahweh. Yet, even though you do that, you don't want what I think, I long to be gracious to you. Oh, read it. He wants to rise over us and show us compassion. He wants to bring justice. But look, blessed are all those who Resistance and rest. It's not a theory. It is our lifeline in this moment. It's not a theory. It's not an opinion. It's, it's how we can actually live and make our way. I'm, these are, it's difficult. But how many know there's a way in Jesus? <sighs> Resistance and rest. righteousness. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. Did you know, I love, I've been in First Peter all week. That's the fifth time I've told you that. The Bible says the Lord is attentive to the voice and the cry of the righteous. Can you imagine having the ear of God Almighty? It says he's attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So, so for the righteous, the Lord listens and hears. How many today would say, it'd be really cool if God listened and heard me? A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On that day when I act... Says the Lord, they will be my treasured possession, the righteous. I will spare them as a father has compassion and spares his son and serves him. And you will again, read verse 18 with me, and you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who don't. Did you know that there is actually a day of reckoning coming? Did you know we don't just believe in the virgin birth and the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus? We believe in the soon coming of Jesus. There is a day when he will act. And in that day and on the way to that day, the Lord in these hours of great darkness wants there to be a distinction, not in a selfish look at us kind of way, but a life-giving righteousness that provokes people to repentance. There is a day when you will see the difference between the righteous and the wicked. How many know in these days it's hard to see because so much bears the name but has no resemblance to the nature of the name that it professes. But the Lord wants us to take seriously the call to righteousness. Those little areas that you used to be able to get away with in the days that we're entering and the potential darkness and difficulty, you will not be able to get away with those little shadows and secrets. The Lord wants to blast you with his life-giving light so you can come into greater righteousness. 
The Lord, I mean, he's so gracious. Remember, he wants to shower you with compassion, but he cannot heal what you conceal. And we are in a day, I mean, I just love the Sermon on the Mount. We could just talk about that for a long time. The Lord, his desire and dream for his people is that they would be a light in the world. A righteous light, which is what the whole Sermon on the Mount's about. What righteousness looks like. Resistance, rest, and righteousness. Just say, Lord, I know you want to touch every part of my life. You want it to be. Righteousness, I always say this, it's the life God intends. Life as God designed. Just look at Jesus. The righteous one. (laughs) Amen. Number four, we're almost done. Seriously, literally. Respond, don't react. How many usually regret when they react immediately instead of taking time to reflect, think about what the Spirit wants, and then respond? Every hand should have probably been raised. But here's what's so stinking cool about this. If you look at church history from Rome on, you will see that when people react, it's usually in the form of violence, manipulation, murder, hatred, etc., stirs up all of the things the devil is the father of. What happens if you read church history? John Ortberg, literally top five messages I've ever heard in my life when he preached, who is this man, Jesus? And his whole premise is throughout church history, he shows what Jesus' people have done that have shocked the, you know what, out of everyone. And here's why I say all that stuff in the parentheses. If we'll choose to respond, not react, because if we react in the spirit of the spirit that came against us, we can't actually bring life-giving change. Yeah. When people self-destruct, cities are ruined, the bombs stop dropping, the church historically, crazy Jesus lovers, are the ones who go in there and rebuild roads and hospitals and houses and schools. This is our lineage as Jesus followers. Everyone, this is who we're meant to be. Just Google John Ortberg. He preached a whole 50-minute message on for 2,000 years. It's Crazy Jesus people who really thought they were actually yoked to Jesus, instead of re- reacting to what everyone else was doing, they were able to respond in grace and bring life in a land of death. I love that. That's part of, we've got a lot of funkiness, a part of our, but there's some good stuff in there. Come on, there's really good stuff in there. And how many want to contribute to that by saying, you know what, instead of reacting, Jesus, help us to become a people that respond. Respond. Last one. Oh, well, you don't want that one. This is all about responding. You've heard that it was said eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let them have your coat as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one. Did you know that you can't do any of that if you're just reacting off the cuff? <laughs> I was quoting it this morning, thinking, oh, I can't do any of that if I'm reacting. But if all of it requires a response, you missed the spot. Shirt, you can have my coat. One mile, you have like 20 minutes to think about it. I'll go with you too. Do you see the way that Jesus has designed it as we weren't reactionary but responders? What if we were first responders? What would happen? 
What would happen in the culture of your marriage or friendship? What would happen in the culture of your workplace? Come on, someone say, it would be a game changer to be responders. And because all of this is so easy and just happens in a little Petri dish in a perfectly controlled environment, the last R is resilience. A tenacity to persevere and not lose heart or hope. In other words, to wear people down with the love of Jesus. Oh, really? I'm not up here giving a stinking, stupid, cutesy message. Hey, all this is easy. Good luck. Have a great week. Seven messages to the church in Revelation. At the end of all seven, those who overcome to the end will be saved. Those who what? Grit their teeth and just bear down. You are destined to overcome. Even if it costs you your life to stand in the spirit of Jesus, death is not final. I forgot, it's been swallowed up. Resilience, resilience, resilience. What if, instead of us gathering in our little pockets of, did you hear such and such said, and did you see that tweet, and that Instagram, and Facebook, and that, what if we got together and instead inspired each other First, we can get around to that stuff, but let's just switch the equation. Hey, how's your resolve to living in the spirit of Jesus today? How's your resolve to embodying the righteousness, the lifestyle of Christ by his grace? You're having a hard time, me too. Let's cry out, Lord, help us. And after you've done all of that and this fight, this war that we're in, this culture of rage, after you've done all of that, then you can talk about your thing. The problem is all of us just go, 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 but our reservoirs are dry and desolate and empty. We're not spreading life. We're spreading the spirit that wants to get into the church, make it lose its power so there's nothing life-giving to offer at the end of the day. But there is one who stands zealous for his bride named Jesus Christ, who has made a way. He has made a way that you and I don't have to live like everyone else. We can be resolved and resilient to live in the spirit of Jesus in this culture of rage. How do I do it? Just on your own strength. No, you cling to Jesus as if he is your only shot. Because you know what? He's not just your only shot when you're in a difficult time. He was your only shot all the time. I was joking. This is the last one. And then resolve. They all started with R. Thank you, Jesus. I'm a nerd. Can't help it. A resolve. Oh, not to bend or bow to anything that doesn't resemble, reflect the lightness, humility, gentleness of Jesus. Here's the problem. We actually don't think that's true. All of us say it's true. I'm a Christian. I, of course I can act how I want or throw off or blah, blah, And the Lord's like, you can be resolved not to enter into agreement with anything that doesn't resemble my likeness, but it's going to take real-time communion and relationship. And that's the problem. I'll just venture out here in this part of my life and ah, that's what it sounds like.
Holy Spirit, I want to be resolved as the bride of Christ to not get out of step or out of union or sync with the bridegroom, my eternal spouse, Jesus Christ. I want to be a fit bride that is fully ravished by his beauty and gripped by his life and mandate and invitation to teach me and to infuse my life with his life. I don't want to bend or bow even for a minute with anything that doesn't resemble or reflect my master teacher, Jesus Christ. That's what it sounds like. I'll close with this verse. Because there is a tidal wave of opposition to everything I just said. Agree or disagree? I just preached the gospel of Jesus, the kingdom, and a life apprenticed after him, yoked to him, if we take his word serious. But the nations rage. We started with that in Psalm 2. People rage. Resist. Rest. Say yes to an all of life version of righteousness. Respond, don't react. Let the Holy Spirit and the community of the saints resilience. Beloved, we need each other. Not to just agree or disagree with us, but to strengthen us on the pilgrimage and journey. And then a resolve to say, if it don't look like him, I'm not all that interested in painting that picture. I'm resolved. I close with this. It's shocker, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 to the end. It says this. To this you were called... Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Who's called to that? No, I was going to quote, okay. Because I do a different version. It's fine. Show it, show it. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, nor is any deceit found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. For by his wounds you have been healed. For you are like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. If Christianity is anything, if there is one ounce of one second for Christianity to have credibility in our own nation, in our own city, it's for people to say Christianity is following in the footsteps of Jesus or it's nothing. It's that serious. I'm sorry. It's that serious. To this you were called to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. How many believe that Christianity is all about Jesus? Following in his footsteps. What do we see Jesus? I, I've been on the Via Della Rosa, that long, windy road that leads to Golgotha, the hill that he was killed on. If you're the son of God, well, let's have a conversation. Where were you when I created the world? 
No, what did he do? I trust that my father knows how to sort this out. How many today would say, I need to entrust myself to my father like Jesus entrusted himself to his father? Because I'm surrounded and I want to retaliate, get even. I want, but I'm not called to follow the spirit of any man or woman. I'm called to follow in the spirit of Jesus. Because I'm a Christian. Jesus, help us. Help us. How many need help this morning? Because we're about ready to have another season of my least favorite time of every four years. And you and I, we actually don't have to enter into any other spirit but the Holy Spirit. You're an American citizen. Praise God. You can vote. You can protest. You can organize. You can care about all that stuff. Don't hear me say you can't. Because you can. Praise God. But please, in this season ahead of us, could we hear the words of Jesus that say, on top of all of your other opinions, preferences, allegiances, there is a call of Christ that is higher than every other calling on the earth. There is a calling that's higher, that digs deeper, that has implications for way more than just the issues, but the issue, namely God being glorified in all of the earth. It's the issue. Organize, protest, vote, get passionate. Not everyone can do that in every nation. Oh my goodness. If you love that stuff, praise God. Do you hear me? I say that with all of my love, but can we just begin to let the Holy Spirit provoke us a little bit where maybe we put a little bit too much stock behind A, B, C, or D instead of taking seriously the call of Jesus to be yoked to him? Can I just get an amen? Just I'll praise God. Praise God. And if you enter into the, the, the spirit of the age and the culture of rage, you actually occupy a space that God wants to fill with his justice and righteousness. If you and I, we leave no space for God. We occupy it with ourselves. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but rather leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On your contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's in the Bible. Paul's stealing from Jesus again. I don't know how we can do any of what we just described if we don't become a people of prayer (laughs) and a people of the word and a people who don't just fellowship around our, we fellowship in the spirit. We need to become a people that provoke each other towards greater faithfulness to Jesus. Not just, hey, how's the day? How's the weather? I love the weather. And I love the favorite. Beloved, we are entering into days. Yea, we are already in them. 
when those things that we used to just, we're going to need all hands on deck for this great radiant hour for the glory of Jesus to be revealed in the earth. How many want to be a part of that? I do. Resist, rest, righteousness. Come, Holy Spirit, make us righteous. My life, I want it all to look like God. And the parts that don't, I confess them, and I receive fresh grace and mercy. React, respond, don't react. Resilience and resolve. If it don't look like him, I ain't interested. However many are going that way, I want to go the way of Jesus. This is our inheritance, and it's super easy. But it's not pie in the sky. I want to just declare that, break the lie right now in this room. Oh, that's a nice talk. This is our inheritance as those who've been blood-bought by Jesus and spirit-adopted who have a Father that we have access to 24 and 7 to give us grace and mercy in our time of need. If this isn't Christianity and what the world is dying to see manifest in in this hour, I don't know what is. But I believe we are invited by Jesus right here and right now to learn how to do it from him. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus, for our church. Thank you for this this word, thank you that I'm provoked. I love Jesus when he told the crowds that unless they eat his flesh and drink his blood, he's, he so graciously said, does this offend you? <laughs> yes. Come on, everyone say yes. But the goal is not to stay offended by Jesus, but to submit to his loving leadership and lordship. God, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to res- resist. I it feels good, anger feels, it feels great to name an enemy and to joke about them. And, but Jesus, would your piercing love, the eyes of fire, may they break into our heart today and may you show us another way possible in the culture of rage. And it's a culture of Jesus, a culture of rest, a culture of your peace and presence. So God, as your word has gone forth not the full picture, but a picture, a big part of the picture, maybe. I pray that you would write this word on our hearts today. I pray that, Lord, you would show us how to not enter into a situation as its victim or captive, but to come into situations to be able to shift the culture and atmosphere because we are not under the influence of the spirit of the age, but the spirit of Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that you would begin even now to fill us with, give us imagination, give us ideas and dreams of how this can play out in our everyday life as we learn to live yoked with Jesus. And it's his mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Love you guys. Thank you so much for coming.